I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna just roll, okay? Uh, and, and can I just tell you that we've been, we've been talking about things that Jesus didn't say, just to get a different perspective. Uh, but, but just remember this: that the ultimate goal that that we're, uh, you know, going after, you know, what we want to be, we we don't just want to be church attenders, right? Come on, you, you, you don't, don't settle just to be a church attender. Shoot, you can go to Rotary and do nice stuff. You know, uh, but no, there's something bigger. You know, hey, I love church, and I love church life, and I love everything, but everything good in my life has come out of, of, of church life. But, it's, but it just, just attending services isn't the issue. The, you know, the, uh, what we're wanting to do is, is to literally be, be disciples of Christ. Man, I want to be a disciple. I want to have, uh, uh, you know, transformational discipleship occur in my life. I don't want to be the same next week that I was last week. You know, we we have access to God. We have have God's thoughts, and we can see the images that God saw, and we can experience the life that, that Jesus came to connect us to. Isn't it interesting in John 10 when he said, hey, the thief comes to kill, to steal, destroy, but, but I came, I came th- that you would have, you, you know what he didn't say? He didn't say, I came that you might have teachings. You know, and you know I'm a word guy. You know, I love the Bible. I think you, you got to get in the word of God constantly. But, but just, just that, if you don't let it transform you, if you don't figure out how to apply it, to, you know, it has the power to change the way you think, which will change the way you feel, which will change the choices you make, which will change the actions you perform, which will change the habits that you possess, which will change the character that defines you, which will change the end result that you experience. You know, man, man, you know, he came that we might have life. He, he came that we'd have more life than death, more joy than sorrow, more peace than chaos, more hope than despair, more provision than lack, more healing than sickness. Man, I, I don't want to just attend, attend services when real life is actually available to me right here and right now. So, so I, I want to be a disciple. And not everybody, not everybody that's a Christian, now hear me, not every Christian is a disciple. But every disciple is a Christian. And there's a difference. And don't, don't, don't just relax into Christianity, especially the way that our culture presents it. But we want to go after this thing like, God, who did you call me to be? And what, what happens if I spend time in your presence? What happens to your word when it's set on fire of the Holy Ghost? What, what, what happens when your word, instead of me just reading it, it starts reading me? What, what, what happens when uh, I, I, I embrace your way of doing, your way of being right, and, and, and forsake my way? What happens when I surrender, you know, who I am and pick up, you know, who you created me to be? What, what kind of change can I experience? And don't settle for anything less than total transformation. Now, it's not going to always be pretty. Transformation hurts. But you got it. And let me tell you something. The end result is worth anything you have to go through to get to it. Amen? Let let, let me tell you one of the things Jesus did not say. Jesus did not say, they will know you're my disciples by the way you sing your chorus. He he didn't say, you know what? They'll know you're my disciples by the frequency of attendance to services. But this is what he did say. Look at it in John 13, 35. 
in the message, it says, this is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples. They won't be able to deny it. When they see the love you have for each other. When they see the love you have for others. It's not even the way others love you. It's the way you love others. Look at it in the New Living Testament. It says, your love for one another will prove to the world. You, the, your love for one another, I think sometimes we look at the darkness that's, uh, you know, that, that's surrounding us and the darkness that's in our society today, and, and you know, and we're, in a, we're in a society and a culture that, that wants to be all-inclusive and accept everything except, you know, biblical-based Christianity. Huh? And we look at it like it's a problem, but in reality, could it possibly be that it's, it's one, of the, one, one of the ways that uh, who we are is being proven? You know, when, 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 you, when you put something through the fire and, and it comes out gold, you know, it was proven in the fire. And, you know, our, the, our love, you know, for one another has to be proven to the world, so it's going to go through some fire. You know, it's going, to be, it's going to be tested. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to be tested. Look, look at the Living Bible. The Living Bible puts it this way. It says, your strong love for each other will prove to the world. Your strong love. So, you know, sometimes I think our, sometimes I think our love is, it, well, it's kind of weak. You, you know, it's kind of weak because it has to fall in certain parameters in, in order for us to actually, you know, exhibit it. You know, it's, it's got to follow certain rules that we have, you know, and, and borders that we set up in order, for, in order for us to release it and to receive it. But, uh, but that, that's not God's plan. That, that's like ours. Philippians chapter 1, it says, uh, starting at verse 3, Every time you cross my mind, I break out in exclamations of thanks to God. Each exclamation is a trigger to prayer. I find myself praying for you with a glad heart. How I many you know that's a good thing? You, just, just one little question to ask yourself. Uh, you know, who are the people you're praying about because you're happy about them compared to the people you're praying about because you're unhappy with them? You know, you might want to check your prayer life because I, I don't think praying for people you're unhappy with, you know, is always prayer. Sometimes that's just complaining. Huh? I'll meddle a little as we go, okay? Uh, you know, we whine and call it prayer. He said in verse 5, I'm so pleased that you have continued on in this with us, believing and proclaiming God's message from the day you heard it right up to the present. There's never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. There's never been a doubt in my mind. We are confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you is going to continue to perform it right up, right up to the very end. We are confident of this. That he who has begun, can I just tell you today that I am confident that he who started it in you isn't going to give up, cave in, back off, walk away, drop you off, say it ain't worth it. He's going to continue to work in you. Why? Because he started something and he ain't a quitter. Come on, somebody. I mean, that, that right there just ought to give you enough to make it through the next week or so. The God, he started something, and he's going to continue. And I know this, that when you begin and you continue, it's not long till you become. 
and you're going to become who God's called you to be, you might as well stop fighting it because he started something that the Bible tells us he's going to finish. Okay, he's going to finish. Some of you guys need to get over into happy land, and we're going to take you there if we have to drag you by the nap of your neck. Okay, we're, we're, we're going to a better place. Amen. Drop down to verse 9. So this is my prayer. This is my prayer. That your love will flourish. That your love will grow. Okay, that your love will, will, will continue to increase. That you will not only love much, but well. So, so, you know, that kind of gives us a little, little insight that there's a, if you could love well, then you could love wrong. So he says, learn to love appropriately. So you have to learn to love. You know, this is how you're going to know, this is how the world's going to be able to prove you're my disciples, that you've learned to love. That you've learned to love and love appropriately. You, 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 you need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere, intelligent, not sentimental gush. Thank God for that. Live a lover's life, circumspect, exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of. Oh, isn't that awesome? Bountiful and fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ attractive all. Man, live a lover's life, a life that makes Christ attractive to all. Live a lover's life. Say that with me. Live a lover's life. Just say it really loud. Live a lover's life. So there's a lifestyle that the Bible tells us if if, if you're going to be a disciple and it they're going to be able to prove your disciple is, is going to be based on the lifestyle of love, a lover's life. You're going to live a lover's life. You're going to live a lover's life. And, and we have a problem because, you know, in the English language, uh, you know, the, the word love is, is, is pretty inaccurate. It's pretty inexact. It can mean almost anything. You, you know, you have friends you love. Uh, you had a, you know, when you were in grade school, how many can you remember grade school? I'm just checking on Jerry, just making sure. You, you, you know, you, you had a, yeah, man, there's somebody at grade school, you know, there's always that crush, right? And, and uh, uh, you know, I love cake. I'm just telling you, I have a love relationship with cake, Okay. You get, you know, there, there's a, one of the families here in church, and they have family that comes to visit, and when they come to visit, they, they, they make me carrot cake. And it's not like just any old day carrot cake. It is amazing. I love that stuff. So they get whatever they want. You know, some people might say they love sex. Careful, pastor, we have kids in here. Well, they shouldn't. They should be over there. I won't say what just went through my head. Okay? You proud of me? You should be. Yeah. Some of you guys love the Seahawks. 
whatever. <laughs> you know, I thought there'd be more than just one positive affirmation there. Some of you guys, your love is waxing cold. Okay. Uh, but no wonder we're confused. You know, it's the way we love each other. And then we try to define love. And we're going to do it our way. But your way isn't God's way. And, you know, I didn't say that. He did. He said, hey, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. Neither are my ways your way. My ways are higher. My, you know, this is God talking to us. My, my ways aren't like your ways. You need to learn my ways. You know, you're not going to convince me to, to, to switch over to your way of doing, your way of being. No, you're supposed to seek first his kingdom and his, his righteousness, his way of doing, his, his way of being right. And we got to go after God's way. And so when he says live a lover's life, you and I don't define it. He does. He does. And, and so real quick, let me just go through this. There's, there's, there's several words in the Greek that uh, are translated it, you know, into the English word love. But uh, uh, we'll just talk about three of them real quick. Phileo, agape, and eros. Phileo, agape, and eros. And uh, we don't have to talk about eros very long. Eros is where we get the, the English word erotic. And most of us totally understand that one. And if you struggle with an understanding of erotic, grab a 13-year-old boy and he'll explain it to you. Okay? He, he's, he's got it. So we, we don't need to go there today. So we'll just talk about phileo and agape, okay? Sometimes, sometimes they kind of overlap in meaning. But if we can understand the differences, it can help us define our responsibilities. Because if this is the way we're supposed to live, this is the lifestyle of a disciple, then it's our responsibility. See, responsibility. It's the ability to respond. It's, a, it's our ability to respond to, to God's desire. So this is what God wants. Can I just tell you something that... If anybody gets what they want, it ought to be God. If anybody gets what they want from you in life, it ought to be God. And so if this is what he wants, then this is what he's going to get. Right? And he said, this is how, this is how the world's going to be able to, you know, they'll, they'll put you through the fire, but you're going to have a love that you've learned, that you, you know, a part of the word disciple is, is discipline, right? So you're going to have, you're going to, you're going to develop and learn this discipline in your life. And, and you're not going to, you know, you're going to be a true disciple, not a disciple. Phileo, phileo. It, which, is not, which is not the love that he said. Hey, he, what he said was, this is how they'll know you're my disciples, by the agape that you operate in. See, phileo requires two people to appreciate each other. But agape has no such requirement. So there's people that you don't appreciate. That don't matter. You love them anyways. Hello? See, there's no such requirement. See, uh, agape carries requirements, but it's not ever placed on the other one. It's always placed on you. 
See, a lot of us, in phileo, there's requirements that we put on other people. Like, if we're really going to love them, they're going to love the Seahawks, too. If we're really going to love them, they're going to agree with how I feel. That's, that's not the requirement of agape. See, phileo is mutual in that both parties must have some degree of respect for each other. Agape exists entirely one-sided. So you don't have to respect them, but you still choose to love them. I'm telling you, this isn't always easy. Ain't nobody probably batting, you know, a thousand up in here. But this is how the world's going to know. This is how the world's going to know that you're really a disciple because they're going to know of differences but they're not going to be able to see the difference. All they're going to be able to see is the love of God. Phileo is conditional, and if certain conditions aren't met, phileo can end. Agape has no strings attached because it's based upon internal commitment of one individual. Regardless, it knows no end. The other party didn't start it. The other party can't stop it. You end up loving people that don't want to be loved by you. Phileo is a condition. It can last for any given period of time, then stop due to changing conditions or circumstances. Agape exists, period. Phileo requires some level of emotional attachment and personal affection in order to thrive. Agape flourishes in the soil of commitment, and any positive emotional experience will only enhance it. Phileo can be a blend of both selfish and self-giving attitudes and actions. It's give and take. But agape always seeks to benefit the other, even at the expense of self. Agape is not a condition. It is a choice. It's a hard choice with amazing benefits but it's not motivated by results. It just simply produces them. This is how they'll know you're my disciple. This is how when you're going through the fire, this is how you know that you truly are growing in me, that you won't be making a decision to stop something that I started. That you'll be remembering to embrace what I put in you. That you're just going to love. When people do things you don't think they should, you're just going to love them anyways. When, the, when, when you know, I mean, when the skinny pants get so skinny... If you notice some of those pants, I don't know how they get, I got a size 13 foot. I can't even get my foot through that little tiny hole. <laughs> Love them anyways. 
You know, if they don't look the way you think they should look or act the way you think they should act or think the way you think they should think or talk the way you think they should talk or go where you think they should go, you just love them anyways. And this is how, this is how the world's going to know that you're my disciples. Because you just, you have this love and it won't stop. And he said, this is going to be like, like, like a magnet to metal filings, it's, this will be attracting people to Jesus. Like, this, this is the thing that will pull them out of the darkness and, and, and bring them into the light is the fact that, hey, I, I have to tell you one thing. I'm going to be loved. I'm going to be accepted. I'm going to belong. And it doesn't make any difference what it looks like, feels like, smells like, tastes like. The love of God is real. This is what you're going to be known by. It's kind of like setting out a mandate, you know, for the house. Hey, it's a new season. Can I tell you some of the stuff that we, the garden, are known for? You know, I got called to a meeting uh, right at the beginning of, of last week, and, uh, uh, and, and a leader in law enforcement brought me in to, to, to thank us for all that we do. And he said, you know, there's great churches all over the Tri-City region that do amazing things. But, but he said, you know, last night, and following up with some of the other, uh, you, you know, uh, community leaders, that, that it just came up several times, and he said, I, I just wanted you to know that uh, everybody knows that when it comes to supporting law enforcement and, and first responders, that, that you, the garden, lead the way. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. You know, and, and uh, uh, doors of opportunity are opening up to us because of that. So, so we're known for that. We're known around the world for our generosity. Shelby and I are going to, to meetings uh, starting Monday, and, and uh, they, they asked us to come uh, to meetings for Convoy Hope so that they could interview us because when it comes to making a difference around the world, uh, they want people to, uh, you know, they, they, they would love to have a lot more like us. We, the garden, are known for generosity. That's awesome. But that's not what we're supposed to be known by. Right. Not that alone. No, not, not that alone. See, because you can be generous but still not have agape. You know, you, you, can, you can be for something but still not really be with God. And he said, this is what I want you to be known for. I want you to be known for the way you love each other. I want you to be known that when there's opportunities for division, schism, uh, uh, argument, that, that the love overwhelms it. Because the world knows that we don't all agree. Hello? See, the world knows that there's no way that you and me get along all the time. But when we love all the time, it overshadows all that other stuff. See, this is how you'll know that you'll live a life, a lover's life, a life that Jesus would be proud of. Can you imagine? You know, if you got kids, you'll, you'll kind of relate to this. But there are moments in life when it's the love of God that prevents you from strangling those suckers. 
you know, there were moments I thought maybe my future was going to be prison ministry. Because I was going to go to jail for what I was going to do to those jack wagons. But then there's moments that you see them do the right thing. There's those moments when you see, you know, for me, it's really humbling to see your boys excel even in areas I didn't. Man, it does something. It just does something to you. It just elevates you. When, when Jesus watches you and you're living a lover's life, that's my boy. They're my kids right there. That's my family. They're embracing people even when they wouldn't if it weren't for my love in them. Can I just tell you, at the birthing of a new season, that we as a congregation need to lean in to the love of God. Not simply to receive it. I mean, thank God we get to receive the love. Behold what manner of love the Father has poured out upon us, that he would call us his sons, his daughters. But that we'd be a conduit I, th I think I want to close with this thought. And I say I think I want to close because I might not, but I think I want to close with this thought. Uh, you know, when, when you take a device that requires electricity, that requires power, and you plug it in to the extension cord, regardless of where it's at, it has access to the same identical power that the cord itself is connected to. Can I just tell you that what the picture I hope that you can see today is that every one of you are an extension cord. That no matter where you go, no matter what situation or circumstance you're dropped into, the world has access to the same power you're plugged into. But if the cord's simply unplugged, there's no power. See, don't unplug because your feelings got hurt. Don't unplug because you got disappointed. Don't unplug because it's easier Stay connected. Stay plugged in. Stay, stay empowered. Because somebody's going to come up to you to tap into what you got. Somebody's putting a draw on you today. Make, make certain. Make certain that you're plugged into him. Let's pray. Father, today we just thank you. We thank you that we have access to the amazing power 
of love. God, a love that's bigger than us, a love that's stronger than us, a love that's deeper than us. Thank God we don't have to rely on our kind of love. There's a love that's bigger, stronger, and deeper, wider. Well, help us remain plugged in. Help us be known by the way we love. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, we're all going to pray a prayer together. And if you've been living life disconnected, I mean, you, maybe you've never plugged into God, or may, maybe you have a hundred times. What we're going to pray might be called the sinner's prayer. Maybe you've prayed that over and over, or maybe you've never even heard of it. That's, the question isn't, have you prayed it? The question is, are you plugged in to God? Today, as we pray this prayer, if you're here and you know that what you need to do is connect your life to him, I'm begging you to make this prayer your prayer. Even though everybody in the room is praying, I want you to pray it like it's just you talking with God. And I'd be honored if you'd give me the opportunity to agree with you. So while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you're here today and say, you know what? Pastor, I'm going to make this prayer my prayer. I want to plug into Jesus. I want to plug in. I, I, I want the power of God to flow through my life. I'm ready for God today. If that's you, well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you just, again, let me, let me agree with you. Just hold your hand up and say, Tom, that's me. Just lift it up really high. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. It's awesome. Thank you. You can put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else? You're in the room. And, and I don't know, maybe you're teetering a little bit. I don't know if I should do this or not. I'm telling you. The greatest decision that you're ever going to make in life is to let God rule your life. How about today you just say, okay, I receive him. I receive the love he offers me. Just hold your hand up really quick, and we're going to pray. Just lift it up. I just feel, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's so awesome. Thank you, guys. Everybody here, just pray this. Just say, dear Heavenly Father, I know I need you. I need your love. I need your acceptance. I need your forgiveness. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. Give me hope. Give me strength. Give me vision. I choose to live for you every day of my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Come on, everybody, celebrate with heaven today. <laughs>